Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The champ is here. The champ is here. The champ is here. The champ is here. How you doing, everybody? I'm Ken Bikoff, and welcome to a special edition of the Peeves Podcast, powered by IndianaSportsTickets.com. The Hoosiers are the outright Big Ten champs, and there's only Senior Night versus Maryland left on the schedule before the Big Ten tournament rolls around. Peaks.com founder and publisher Mike Pegram has been busy behind the microphone, first talking to Scott Green, the managing editor of TerrapinSportsReport.com, to preview IU's battle with Maryland. Peaks also spent some time with Galen Clavio, the director of the National Sports Journalism Center, to talk about the Hoosiers' future in the NCAA tournament. But before we get to those chats, I wanted to bring you a quick word from our sponsor, IndianaSportsTickets.com. You know, I'm one of the lucky ones. For years, people have asked me about how to get tickets for IU basketball games, and my answer has always been the same, and that was just, I, I didn't really know. For more than a decade, I've been lucky enough to have a credential to cover the team, so tickets haven't really been a problem. But then I found IndianaSportsTickets.com, and now I have all the answers anyone needs to find tickets for IU basketball. IndianaSportsTickets.com also has the tickets you need to see the Indiana Pacers in gorgeous Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Tickets are available now for you to see the Hoosiers and the Pacers in action, so head over to IndianaSportsTickets.com and use the promo code PEGS to receive 10% off your first order. That's IndianaSportsTickets.com, your ticket to Indiana Athletics. Now then, let's get right to PEGS' discussion of the Terrapins with Scott Green from the TerrapinSportsReport.com. Indiana fans, uh, joined here by Scott Green of the Terrapin Sports Report. Scott, I really appreciate your joining us in anticipation of uh, this Sunday afternoon battle at Assembly Hall. Ironically, the only meeting between Maryland and Indiana this year, 430, um, and, and in the final game for both teams. Um, unfortunately, the race is over, Scott, but this should be still a very interesting uh, matchup between first and second place. Yeah, I mean... You know, Maryland had a real February, uh, had a stretch there where they lost three or four. Um, you know, they did beat Purdue at home, uh, but, you know, then kind of struggled, lost at home to Wisconsin, their first home loss in over two years. Uh, but, you know, battled back a little bit. We were able to beat Illinois the other night. You know, really kind of put them away early, something they haven't done in a while, especially in Big Ten play. Um, so I think for Maryland, you know, even though they're out of it as far as winning the Big Ten race, I think this is a chance for them to show that, you know, they're really back playing at a high level again and as they really kind of look to regroup and get ready for Indy, the Big Ten tournament, and then hopefully a, a nice run in the NCAA tournament as well. 
what stood out about, stood out about the win over Illinois this week is uh, it looked like Melo Trimble may have shaken his slump. Maybe one game is not enough, but uh, did you see the Melo Trimble of old this week? Yeah, you know, I mean, one thing, you know, he hit a three early. I think it was the first basket of the game, actually, you know, and he just kind of had this smile on his face. And that's something you hadn't really seen from him, especially in-game in a long time. Uh, it just kind of seemed like the game wasn't fun for him for a while there. So that was good to see him kind of smile, look like he's having fun. And, you know, the other thing, too, is he just seemed to be driving the basket more. And, you know, we're, for a stretch there, I want to say in February, you know, he would go and, you know, maybe pump fake at the three-point line, take a couple dribbles and pull up at the free-throw line and then miss a jumper. Whereas the other night what we saw is, you know, he was continuing his drives you know, hitting floaters, getting to the basket, finding guys when he was under the basket. And it just kind of feels like that's something he hadn't really done in a while. But like you said, while it's just one game, uh, it's definitely promising. And he did seem to do some things beyond just the shooting that seemed to be missing for a while there. Is there anything else you think you contributed to his slump? Was there just a little bit too much on his shoulders for a while? Did he force things or, you know, what, what happened? Because that really did um, make the difference between them being able to compete today for the title yeah i mean i think you know i'm part of it you know they say guys just have sophomore slump um there's been a lot of talk that maybe it was you know some physical things like a hamstring is back the truth is you know these are things that have really been bothering him since the moment he got to maryland um you know his legs always seem to bother him a little bit you know he's always working out his back before games and before practice so, you know, I, while, you know, there might be some physical stuff, I think it's just normal bumps and bruises. I don't think that has a lot to do with it. But I really just think he was kind of in a mental slump. Um, he seemed to be short-arming some of his three-point shots. And, and just in general, just seemed to really be thinking about his shot as opposed to just kind of shooting it and taking the shot. And, you know, for whatever reason, that seemed to happen over the last month in February. But it does kind of look like maybe as of the last game, he's kind of getting over that. And he even told us, you know, the media after the game that he's having fun again. He talked to coach about it. And, you know, he, like I said, he was smiling. And that's just kind of stuff we haven't seen from him. So I think it's definitely more of a mental thing. And I think hopefully he's back here for this stretch run in March. And you think he'd be pumped um, to battle against Yogi Farrell, who will probably, you know, be the point guard on the first team Big Ten this year and, and really want to show the nation that he is um, – Still, maybe the player that he, you know, was promoted to be coming into the year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, when Maryland met Indiana last year, both times, you know, getting the chance to match up with Farrell, something Mello definitely talked about. You know, he he relishes the chance to get to play against guys at the high level, and Yogi obviously is definitely the best point guard in the league this year. I don't think there's much doubt about that. Uh, he's had a tremendous season, so absolutely, I think I think Trimble will see this as a challenge to himself to kind of show to the nation that, you know, hey, I'm back and I'm playing at the level that everyone knows I'm capable of playing at. What are the other key things you see um, coming into this? I mean, obviously, Maryland has some size, which Indiana is not has much better size this year, but not in terms of depth. Um, you know, the Terps do have some depth, but, you know, there's been injuries and so forth. Where do, where does, where do they stand right now, maybe on that front line, and maybe they'll take advantage of Indiana's lack of depth there? Well, it's kind of funny you say that because, you know, something I've noticed over the past couple of games, especially against Illinois, you know, granted, we all know Illinois' 
not very good this year. They've kind of been decimated by injuries and, you know, at this point might even be mailing it in. But one thing we definitely saw against Illinois the other night is that they really seem to really hit their stride with a smaller lineup where they had Jake Lehman at the four, and that's something they had done a lot last season. Um, but I'm almost starting to wonder if, you know, them playing so well that way the other night, if that's not something we don't see more of going forward. So even though Maryland has all this depth and size, uh, I almost wouldn't be surprised if going forward we see more of a smaller lineup to start uh, with maybe Lehman at the four and Stone at the five, with maybe, you know, Rob Carter playing a little less minutes or playing more uh, inside at the five as well to just kind of open things up and spread the court out for the guards and the shooters because that that definitely seems to have been an issue of late, um, you know, where you've got Stone and Carter in there. And, and, you know, they're taking up all this space inside, but it's kind of taken away some of the room for the guys to work on the on the perimeter. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they play Indiana's game and actually play more of a perimeter-oriented offense. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, Indiana may has been going a little bit big of late with Robert Johnson out with an ankle injury. I suspect he may may be playing next week, but but uh, this game I, I would my guess is they might rest him one more time. Um, you know, given that the title is already clinched, but uh, that that'll be interesting to see um, if Indiana stays with a, a little bit bigger lineup uh, given Maryland's size. They did against Michigan State, and they have uh, you know played a lot of bigs against against. Against Iowa, so that'd be something to watch. But uh, in, in, in that vein, Indiana has had a lot of success with Thomas Bryant in the post, second in the country in, in field goal rate, just converts so so he, uh, consistently when he's in five feet or less. Does Maryland have the ability, you think, to slow him down to, to stop that inside-out offense that Indiana has been you know been so successful with? Yeah, I mean, I, I do, and I think. You know, when you talk about the depth inside, I think the one guy that kind of helps as far as stopping someone like Thomas Bryant is maybe someone like Demonte Dodd. So, you know, you've got your your Diamond Stone, who's, you know, very similar to Bryant. You know, he converts to very high rate inside, uh, gets a lot of offensive rebounds, a lot of footbacks. And then you got Rob Carter, who can kind of play inside and outside. But then you have Dodd. Uh, uh, you know, and he's kind of a guy who just brings defense, toughness, block shots. You know, he can get those hard fouls, uh, keep guys from getting those easy conversions inside. And I do think that's one thing we will see. I think we'll see quite a bit of Demonte Dodd on Thomas Bryant, you know, just to kind of try to, uh, offset things there and, you know, keep him from just kind of going off. Um, but yeah, I do think, you know, with the depth inside, even though I think they're going to play more small ball, I do think that you're going to see a lot of uh, Dodd and and Stone on Bryant trying to kind of slow him down and keep him from getting those easy looks. And Indiana is obviously a good three-point shooting team once again. Um, where are you perimeter defense on on you know beyond the arc shots? How are the Terps done this year? Uh, I mean they they started out <laughs> defending the perimeter pretty well earlier in the season, but it's it's definitely been a thing where you know the last month or so, Maryland's kind of been that team where the opposition has, you know, a guy, maybe a sixth man or a guy who doesn't score a lot. Maryland's been the game where he's gone off, and it's usually been someone who's been doing it from beyond the yard. So, you know, while Suleiman is a lockdown defender, um, the rest of the perimeter defense has been okay but not great. 
Uh, they have been defending better the past couple games, but, um, you know, I, I think that's one area that could be the, the difference in the game. It's, it's going to be whether or not Maryland can, you know, keep Indiana from just knocking down shot after shot after shot from the perimeter. And I think in this case, if they can't, that Indiana is obviously going to win the game. I mean, obviously, it's going to be tough for Maryland regardless, you know, with it being Indiana's senior day and, and you know, the final game for Farrell and things like that. It, it, it's a tough, tough challenge for Maryland, but I definitely think perimeter defense is one of those things where, you know, that could definitely be the difference in the game. And we'll see. I mean, I, I almost wonder, do you put, you know, Suleiman on, do you put Suleiman on Farrell and just kind of see what you can do with, with Trimble and just kind of have him helping out. Uh, the other thing too is we saw this against Illinois is they actually played some, some full court press defense early on after made baskets. And it seems like that's something Turgeon really doesn't want to do, but I think he's also figuring out that it's something his team is very good at. So it'll be interesting to see too if maybe they don't press a little bit after made baskets in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. Indiana's throw some, um, things out there defensively. Uh, last game, once again, Yogi Farrell, uh, Took Peter Jock, someone half a foot taller than him. Um, they've done that against guys who are mainly outside specialists. Um, but I, I don't know if, um, you can say that with Maryland. I mean, uh, Suleiman will drive and, and Lehman will drive. Uh, uh you know, it, it seems like they may have to keep him on, on, on mellow uh, just because of the size issue with the other guys and the fact that they can drive. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you know, Suleiman's not afraid to attack the basket. Uh, Lehman, you know, there was a lot of talk early in the season among Maryland fans that, you know, they wanted to see more for him. He wasn't doing enough, but I think he's been tremendous down the stretch here in Big Ten play. He's been the most consistent uh, defender, most consistent scorer, and he's come up big late in games. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be tough because all these guys have the ability to drive. And the one guy who seemed to be lacking that a little bit lately was Trimble, and he seems to have gotten his mojo back against Illinois. So, are they? Are you guys just nursing anybody with an um, an injury? Um, Indiana's got a you know. Obviously, we talked about Robert Johnson, but uh, Juwan Morgan's been a nice boost guy off the bench and in, in, in the rotation. Hurt his shoulder, you know. Is it may play, but um, he might not be near himself if he does play. How is the health of of, of of Maryland right now? Yeah, I mean, Maryland seems to be pretty healthy. Um, you know, like I said, Trimble's been battling some bumps and bruises all season. You know, he talked about how great it was to, you know, really get some additional rest last week where they had a week off. Um, you know, get a get an extra day. I guess you can kind of say an extra day because the game now is on Sunday instead of today um, or Saturday. So, you know, that'll be nice. To, you know, they get a little extra rest this week. Um, but overall, you know, other than Deion Wiley, who's been out for the whole season with a knee injury, uh, health-wise, Maryland's doing pretty well. So I don't think that should be too much of an issue. And like I said, you know, with the Bowie State game earlier last month and things like that, they've kind of really had the ability to get some guys some rest here down the stretch. Any consistent uh, traits in their losses this year, uh, you know, things that they have to avoid them, uh, on Sunday? I mean, the the biggest thing is something that's just kind of plagued them pretty much all season is just uh, just not coming out with the kind of intensity you want to see a team come out with. But something that seems to have really just kind of been an issue most of the year, and especially in their their losses, they just they come out and just kind of seem to dig a hole and 
they're in every game, you know, even in the losses this year, for the most part, you know, they've had a chance to win it there down the stretch in the last minute or so. But, you know, in a few games, and especially I look at the Minnesota game, you know, it's a team they never should have lost to. Uh, but when you dig yourself, you know, a 20-point hole in the first half, it doesn't matter who you're playing. It's it's going to be a nearly impossible to dig yourself out of it, as was the case up there in Minnesota. Yeah. So, you know, the biggest thing for them is just coming out, you know, showing intensity, weathering the storm early because you know the Indiana fans are going to be, you know, going nuts because it's senior day, and then just kind of trying to take them out of it and do your thing from there on. And you look forward to the Big Ten tournament. Um, I don't know if you've looked at the scenarios, but um, I think if Maryland wins, they they get into that 3-2 area. Um if they lose, I think they'll, they'll, there's a possibility they'll be in that 4-5 and may have to play, you know, a little bit uh, tougher road, I guess, uh, in Indianapolis next week. Is that um, – I, mean, I don't know if you've looked ahead that that much. Yeah, I mean, I know they, they – the biggest thing was uh, they did clinch a double bye with the win yeah. over Illinois. Okay. So I think that as far as the coaching staff was concerned, you know, I think that was the biggest thing, just knowing that they've got that extra day to prepare – um, but I mean, beyond that, you know, the bottom line is you're going to have to beat some good teams yeah. if you want to win the tournament. And, uh, you know, I look at Michigan State at the beginning of the year. I thought they were hands down the best team in the country. Had a bit of a letdown there with Valentine out for a little while and seemed to take a little while to get their groove back. But I think they're maybe playing better than anybody right now. Indiana's playing great right now. You know, I was not playing that well, but, you know, they're loaded with talent. They've got a lot of upperclassmen. So, I mean, I think no matter what, and then you look at Wisconsin, who, you know, has played tremendously down the stretch. Yeah. So I think no matter what, you know, I think the biggest thing was just getting that double by, making sure they have that extra day to prepare and rest up, and then just knowing that it's going to be a battle no matter who you face at that point. And we're, we're – is Maryland right now in some of the uh, NCA bracketology? Um, you know, it's been two or three for a while, but uh, where, where are they at today as far as, um, you know, where ESPN, CBS, and those guys are, are showing them uh, seed-wise? Yeah, I mean, for a while, you know, they were hanging in the 2-3 range. Now most seem to, you know, think they're looking at more of a 4-5. Uh, you know, obviously that loss to Minnesota really hurt them. Yeah. You know, with Minnesota having a sub 200 RPI, you know, to that point, they had no bad losses. Um, so things looked really good in that department. That Minnesota loss really kind of hurt. Uh, but you know, they at least were able to bounce back, beat Illinois. They've got the win over Purdue. Um, you know, they beat UConn and Madison Square Garden earlier in the year. Um, you know, so they, they, they've got some nice wins. Um, but the, the biggest thing is just the way their schedule played out. They ended up just not having a ton of top 50 wins. And I think that's what's kind of hurting them as far as, you know, seeding and the bracketology and things like that. It's just okay. that, you know, while they've won pretty much every game they've played, they just haven't had the, the quantity of top 50 games that you'd like to see a team like Maryland play. And I think that's what's kind of hurting them. But, but again, you know, they still have Indiana, which would be a top 25. Um, you know, they're likely going to play at least one more top 50, maybe top 25 RPI team, uh, in Indianapolis. And then obviously, you know, see what happens from there. And you look at Indiana, where do you think that Maryland can take advantage of that, the lineup that, you know, the, that Indiana has this year 
where are the attacking areas for the for the terrapins? Uh, I mean, when I look at it, the, the biggest thing I see is probably the four, you know. Um, and then, it, and again, it depends on the lineup as well. I mean, I think uh, that part of the reason I like, you know, Maryland using a smaller lineup maybe against Indiana is, you know, you look at, you know, what, where's Indiana going to play Troy Williams? You know, he's obviously extremely athletic. Uh, you know, he can do some things defensively. So you maybe look to see where the mismatch is at the three and four and maybe try and exploit that. Um, you know, obviously, like you said, Thomas Bryant, Maryland's got all that depth in size, inside. So can you maybe get Thomas Bryant in foul trouble? So they have to start using some of these guys off the bench and take advantage of that. But, you know, obviously, I think the areas where Indiana's going to have some advantage is obviously a point guard, uh, with Farrell, um, you know, and then again, the question is, who stops Farrell? You know, how do they keep him from making shots? Is he going to be on? Is he going to be off? Um, and at the two, you know, that's another one too, where I I think Maryland probably has an advantage with Solomon. Um, but again, it just all comes down to matchups and who's going to play where. I think each team has some pluses and minuses, and I think it's going to come down to, you know, what coach kind of takes advantage of those situations best. I think. Okay. Quick question while I have you. Next week, next year, the Big Ten tournament goes to D.C. Um, do you think that it will be well attended? Do you think this is going to be the right move for the Big Ten? I mean, uh, um, just just looking ahead, you're, you're the guy there. Um, are, they, are, they, are people there excited about hosting it? I mean, I'll say this. I'll tell you right now, you know, my best friend personally uh, is an Ohio State grad. Uh, he's from this area. You know, he grew up in Maryland. Um, my my girlfriend, her uh, her brother is a Syracuse grad, yeah. and, and it's funny. So you know, and you talk to you know just personal friends and family and things of that sort with these tournaments coming up. You know, my um, you know my girlfriend's brother's already called me up. Hey man, you know any way I can get tickets for you know this ACC tournament? I really want to see Cuse. Me and a bunch of buddies are looking to go. You know, I know my best friend's excited yeah. about getting to see Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament next year. Um, but, you know, I think one thing, too, that I think a lot of people don't necessarily, you know, realize is especially with, you know, the government employing so many people, you know, there are a ton, a ton of Big Ten grads in the D.C. area. Yeah. And I think I think it'll definitely be well, you know, well attended and well represented. I think the biggest thing, though, is just that I think it's one of those things, especially like the ACC, where, it just becomes so customary to have it in Indy or Chicago or in the case of the ACC in North Carolina every year that, you know, even for the people who live in a certain area, they just, they just kind of get become accustomed to traveling to wherever it usually is. I think that's the biggest thing. So it'll be interesting to see, but you know, it's different. Um, the ACC hosted, uh, or excuse me, Washington hosted the ACC tournament. I want to say maybe 10 years ago or so. Um, I, you know, I went to that. It was pretty well attended. I, I think this year's ACC tournament will be pretty well attended, especially with some Big East teams. But it'll be interesting to see how, you know, the Big Ten is next year. Um, I think it'll, I, I think it'll be pretty well attended just because, like I said, there's so many Big Ten alumni in this area. Yeah, I think, I think it's right. I think it will be really, uh, attended. I don't know if they had it every year. It'll be that way, but I, I think it really, because of the alumni basis that all the schools have, um, in DC, DMV or what have you, um, 
it'll be. I'm looking forward to it myself, actually. Well, Scott, I really. Yeah, I mean, yeah go ahead. No, no, but I was going to say, I mean, you know, the other thing, too, is you almost don't even realize it until, you know, you're you're a grad of a Big Ten school. And, you know, now that I am, you know, I go out and see, I see people, oh, I went to Wisconsin, I went to Michigan. I mean, you, you realize that there are tons of alumni in the area. So I think that's definitely going to help. Yeah, we've noticed that when uh, Indiana, you know, plays in the uh, regionals uh, at D.C. In fact, they, they played Syracuse, so... You know, not three years ago, and the attendance at the pregame alum, alumni gatherings was was tremendous, and uh, and a lot, most of those people, because I was there, were were just locals. Right. So, well, Scott, I really appreciate it. Uh, should be an exciting game, and a really, I think, a good preparation for both teams to, to head into the Big Ten tournament and in, in postseason. So, thanks a lot for joining us. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right. Take care. Great stuff from Peaks as usual, and thanks to Scott Green from TerrapinSportsReport.com for coming on. Now on to the NCAA Tournament Talk with Peaks and Galen Clavio, the director of the National Sports Journalism Center. Hey, everyone. I'm here with Galen Clavio at Opie Taylor's in downtown Bloomington. So you hear people eating in the background, but uh, kind of that's the ambience of of uh, our favorite town of Bloomington. Nice, quiet location that I picked here, right, Mike? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we're uh, you know, talking uh, bracketology uh, and Indiana, who's are firmly in now with a Big Ten title. And the drama now, Galen, is can they push up beyond uh, maybe they're maybe the four seed right now? We're, we're talking before the Maryland game. Indiana has still a lot to play for tomorrow uh, against Maryland in the Big Ten tournament because it could mean good things as far as where they go and what seed they get. Absolutely, and that's kind of two separate issues, but they're both equally important, I think, to this IU team. So let's tackle their seeding location first. So right now I've got them as a four. I think that's a logical place for them to be given their overall resume. They've done a lot of good things here lately. Winning at Iowa was huge. That was their first really, really big road win of the year. But they've got other good wins as well. Iowa at home, Purdue at home, at Michigan, Notre Dame on a neutral floor. Uh, They compare very favorably, I think, to the other teams in that general vicinity. They're still a little bit behind teams like Duke and Kentucky and Iowa State, uh, just because those teams have slightly better resumes overall, but the great thing about where I use at right now is that they have the ability to change things for the better. Beating Maryland tomorrow, that's a team that's in that same range. That would be something, I think, where you'd really have to start seriously looking at them as potentially a three seed. Um, they can't afford to lose their first game of the Big Ten tournament because that would likely be against like a Michigan or a Northwestern yes. or somebody like that. But they'll have a good shot at a neutral court victory against a, a you know a top four Big Ten team in that next game. Could be Iowa, uh, you know, could be Wisconsin. They get a win like that. Now maybe you're starting to look at, at solidly as a three and maybe even pushing up into the two range. Um, it just kind of depends on how everything falls in the other conference tournaments as well. But if they can go in, beat a Wisconsin, beat an Iowa, beat a Michigan State uh, in the Big Ten tournament, I think they'd be in, in really good shape to improve their seating even more by the time Selection Sunday rolls around. And if you want to see what Galen's picks are, you just go to crimsoncast.com. He's been doing it for a number of years. Professor of Indiana and, and, and all-around good guy. We uh, have a pod system now. Yes. And that makes a three or a four a little bit more important, maybe a four on up. 
in terms of location, and when you're talking Indiana, you're talking a fan base that travels. So uh, just get into that a little bit, what it means this year. And the locations are are a little bit more dispersed from the Midwest, and, and so that's an interesting dynamic we got as we head towards that selection Sunday. Absolutely. You know, this uh, Indiana team obviously plays incredibly well in front of a home crowd or a crowd that's really behind them. And it's a little bit unfortunate because there aren't that many really close first and second round pods that they can go to. I mean, the closest one is St. Louis probably, and unfortunately between Kansas and you know a couple of the other teams that are highly ranked in the Midwest, Michigan State would definitely be among those as well. The chances of them getting to St. Louis I think are pretty low. The next option would be Des Moines, uh, and then after that I guess the next closest one would probably be either Oklahoma City or Brooklyn, neither of which is really that close. Uh, right now I have Indiana and Denver, which you know, is obviously not ideal for a lot of the Hoosier faithful that would like to travel, but it's better than going to Spokane, for instance. I think Spokane would be yeah. the worst option for them. Um, I think it's likely at this point they, they might latch on in, in either Oklahoma City or Denver. Des Moines is a possibility. Providence is also a possibility. But I would, I would think a lot more likely that they'll be in those Midwestern or near-Western cities that I just mentioned. Um, the other thing that's, I think, important, and this is an IU team that looks like it's got a chance to go on a relatively deep run in the tournament, is what regional they're in. And that's where it actually could get very exciting for IU if they're either in the Midwest or the South. The Midwest regional this year is going to be played at the United Center in Chicago, and the South regional is being played at the Yum Center in Louisville. And, you know, we've seen what happens when IU plays regionals that close to home in the past. Everybody remembers 2002. Like One of the reasons that was such a, uh, an overwhelmingly positive crowd for IU, other than Kentucky fans hating Duke, uh, was the fact that it was three hours away in Lexington. And so trying to get IU into a regional where they could have somewhat of a home court advantage from a, a crowd perspective is really important. Uh, you want to kind of avoid the East. That's in Philadelphia. You want to avoid the West. That's in Anaheim. Uh, but I think there's a, a good chance that they could end up in either the Midwest or the South, given the way that the seeding kind of runs yeah. at this point. Yeah, just a uh, quick review of uh, the major news sites. I'm talking about ESPN, CBS, Fox, and, and uh, maybe SI or, or somewhere else, or Yahoo Sports, of course. They, everyone was pretty much putting Indiana in the Midwest this week, for the first time I've seen it, and which is in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of it really depends on what happens with Michigan State. So, you know, one of the, the bracketing procedures that they use is they want to keep the top teams in a conference separated in different regions. And so right now, Kansas would be the one seed in the Midwest. That's almost a slam dunk case. Yeah. If that's the case, that's actually good for Indiana if they're a four seed in as much as they might end up as the four seed in the Midwest playing against Kansas and Chicago if they get that far. Michigan State, right now, I have as a one seed in the South. That would pretty much knock IU out of that regional uh, in terms of being placed there. But if Michigan State ends up being a two seed and you know they're in a different region and you end up with somebody like Virginia as the one seed in the South, suddenly that's a possibility yeah. for IU. And so there's a lot of jigsaw puzzle pieces that have to fall into place between now and next Sunday, but Indiana's put themselves in a really good position, and I think that um, you know, as long as they continue to take care of business, they're going to keep themselves in a good position and maybe even get into a better one. Yeah. The thing with Michigan State is um, they're ahead right now, so you watch, 
want to watch how they do in the Big Ten tournament. I'm kind of curious what will happen if Michigan State and Indiana happen to reach the final of the Big Ten tournament, but they set that time so late yeah. that you might have. But that, but then, uh, Galen, I wonder if there might be an either-or situation with the committee because they say, well, we'll just the winner of this game goes goes here and the loser goes here. They do have that flexibility, maybe. I, I, that they would do. be an interesting dynamic that we haven't seen before. We've seen that happen a couple of okay. times, and we've also seen contingency brackets. Yeah. Made. But the contingency brackets are generally made when there's a real disparity between the two teams <clears throat> taking part. If it's Indiana and Michigan State in the Big Ten tournament final, uh, they'll have to have made the bracket before that yeah. game's over. Uh, I, I I think what you say is probably correct. They'll probably have a situation where they feel like, okay, we can just flip these teams. Because at that point, depending on who IU has played, they could be seriously in contention for a two. I would be personally surprised if they slid them all the way up to a one seed, but it wouldn't be entirely unprecedented. Um, you know, it's if they were really to go on that sort of a run, to close the season, we've seen, and I would personally think that it was a bit of an overreaction because I don't think IU's got a one seed caliber um, resume at this point. But take what happened with Connecticut back in I think 2011 or 2000, whenever they won the national championship, yeah. I think it was 2011. That team was middling. It was like a, an eight seed, maybe seven seed resume. They won the Big East tournament and they ended up as a three seed, and then they ended up going to the national championship yeah. game and winning it. It was an overreaction that ended up being justified by the committee. We've seen them do that sort of thing in the past. It'd be it'd be weird sort of luck that we don't ever see in the tournament draw if they yeah. actually did it with us this year. Yeah. Uh, one other small thing. I mean, a team to watch, I think, is Xavier because they're in the Midwest and they're a little bit above Indiana right now in the rankings and, and, and the seedings. But if they were to go out in the uh, Big East tournament and without uh, you know, a big win or two, Indiana could leapfrog them and then put themselves in better position for you know, going to uh, St. Louis or Iowa and so forth. So that's just one, one team to watch in the last week or two. Um, you know, tomorrow is a is not going to matter in who terms of win, win the Big Ten, but that game tomorrow has a lot of NCAA yeah. uh, I mean, implications. People need to understand, the way that the committee does this is they create a list of teams that are in the field. They, they So they make an entire field, 1 through 68, and they rank them. And the top 16 teams are what are called protected seeds. And they when they bracket them, they'll put, so the first overall, let's say it's Kansas, they'll put them in the most favorable region, which for them would be the Midwest. Then they pick their pod. And so they look at all the pods, and they're like, where would be the most favorable place to send Kansas? They'd probably say either St. Louis or Oklahoma City, I would guess. Um, So they'll put them in that pod, and then they go to the next team, which maybe in this case would be, I don't know, Villanova. And then they'll go down the list. So why this is important for IU is you want to get as high up that list as possible so that you get first dibs on the pod that is the most favorable to you. St. Xavier is a great example. I actually have Xavier as the second St. Louis team in my bracket. If they're below Indiana in the in the seed list, Indiana is going to get the most favorable spot ahead of where Xavier gets theirs. And I think that you know that's something that IU fans need to be thinking of when it comes to the Maryland game, when it comes to not just the wins in the Big Ten tournament, but the matchups. Like you don't want to just win games; you want to win games against teams that are going to significantly improve your resume. And so, a lot to play for here. We haven't really had. I mean, we've had 
uh, important Big Ten tournaments kind of in a different way in the past where it's like, well, we got to win or we're not going to yeah. get into the tournament. This is a, a rarity where it's like we're going to win and we could actually legitimately improve the standing of the team uh, in terms of the overall seating. So uh, it's going to be fun. Lots to look forward yeah. to. And the unique thing about this year is you, there's really very few teams that have kind of looked like a number one team. And, you know, and you never know from year to year. I mean, it, I, I always get a kick out of people saying, oh, the committee does this or the committee does that. The committee changes every year, and what they prefer changes every year. You know, I've seen years where they were like, we, we're going to favor teams with high RPIs or we're going to favor teams with higher strength of schedule. And it, and it ends up bearing out not just in the seeding but also in the at-large selections. So you don't know what they're favoring this year. This year, they you know, you, they may look and say, well, we want teams that look like they're playing the best, the, the old eye test sort yeah. of thing. And if that's the case, you'd have a hard time arguing for you know some of the other teams out there. Kentucky's a great example. Kentucky hasn't looked that great down the stretch, I don't think. Um, at least not relative to where they looked earlier in the year. And I think Indiana's looked better. Um, that's you know that's a team where they're right in the same range and. If I use able to sneak past them in the eyes of the committee, that's yeah. going to end up looking very good. Uh, so we'll see. It's it, it's one of the coolest things about sports, I think, is yeah. the utter unpredictability of what that group of people up in Indianapolis yeah. is thinking about from year to year. And um, that's what makes this both fun and maddening <laughs> because you can be like, I yeah. cracked it. I know that I know how this bracketing stuff works, and then the next year you've just completely like toasted your bracket <laughs> in a bad way. Well, it'll be interesting. Uh, and one other small, small thing is that you could fa- on Friday next week you could have a, a very desperate Michigan team playing for its NCAA future against Indiana. Now they they'll have to have beaten you know Northwestern or somebody else. Like uh, you know, still some things to play out in terms of who that eight nine team is. But right now we know the eight nine winner plays Indiana. And Michigan is the most likely yeah. team there and the one Big Ten team on the bubble. So that's just something that, that's got to play out here. Yeah. Them and Ohio State, I think, are the two Big yeah. Ten teams that really go in with a lot to play for. And Ohio State, I guess, could still potentially be in that 8-9 game. Um, at least not. Possibility. You almost want to root for Michigan to beat Iowa this weekend because that would relieve a lot of pressure. That would be, I think, the third win that they would need. Where as long as they didn't lose to Northwestern or whoever they were playing in the Big Ten tournament, it probably wouldn't matter for them. So yeah, that's a that's a dangerous uh, opponent to face, particularly since that's an opponent that you basically blew out on the home (laughs) floor earlier in the year. Yeah. Generally, it's hard to do that a second time. Yeah, it's it's two different things. They may have a lot to play for, but yet they don't match up for right. Indiana. Exactly. Uh, so, well, Galen, I appreciate your time today, uh, and uh, we'll see what happens with the Terps and the Hoosiers tomorrow, and uh, it'll be a fun fun week, and the Indiana fans can sit back this year and not have to go through what they had to last year <laughs> and uh, just worry about where they're going as opposed to if they're going. Sounds good, Mike. I really enjoyed it, and look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Galen Clavel. Well, that's all the time we have for this special edition of the Peaks Podcast, powered by IndianaSportsTickets.com this week. Peaks and I would like to thank Scott Green from TerrapinSportsReport.com and Galen Clavio from the National Sports Journalism Center for coming on. If you're still looking for tickets to CIU basketball or the Pacers, visit IndianaSportsTickets.com to find the tickets you're looking for. Be sure to check out IndianaSportsTickets.com and use the promo code Peaks for 10% off your first order. 
I also want to remind everyone to be sure to visit Peaks.com for the very best in IU football and basketball coverage you're going to find anywhere. Nobody covers Hoosier recruiting better than Mike Pegram, Jeff Rabjohns, and Matt Weaver, so come be a part of a thriving community. You are not going to be disappointed. Folks, we're out of time, but for now and for Mike, Jeff, and Matt, I'm Ken Bykoff saying thanks for listening, everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.